G'day sports fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you today on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, no J-Lo this week and the big man's going to be out of action for a little while. He's taken off to Brisbane, the lucky bastard. So the Sports by Fry pod will be purely made up of episodes by Fry for a change. Uh, got a couple of other things in the work for later in the week and for next week, but I'm bringing back these little bite-sized episodes. In less than 15 minutes, I'm going to talk about the trending topics in the sports world. Basketball's back, so there's plenty to discuss there. We're about a week into the NBA season now. Another weekend of NFL action is in the books as well, so we're about nearly the halfway mark. Call it about 40% of the way through the season. There's a couple of other things going on as well. We've got the T20 World Cup, uh, F1's underway, or winding down, I should say. And then uh, there's a couple of footy things that I want to discuss as well. So let's dive into another episode. Like I said, it's been an unreal few days in sport. I've loved having basketball back, but we had the F1. We saw Red Bull seal the Constructors title with uh, Max Verstappen winning at the Austin Grand Prix. That game at the MCG the other night in the T20 World Cup between India and Pakistan was fucking phenomenal as well. Shout out to King Coley for his 82 not out. But I want to start really by talking about basketball. Now, we are only a week into the season. So at this time last year, the Phoenix Suns were one and three and they finished with 68 wins. No, 64 wins on the season, not 68. But, you know, you get the point I'm making. Charlotte Hornets, they were another team that started hot and didn't end great. The New York Knicks, they were three and one and then went 37 and 45. So it's a very small sample size. I'm not going to overreact to a shitload of stuff, but there are some trends that have started that I think are probably going to hold and stay that way throughout the entire season. The first one I want to talk about is the Portland Trailblazers. Now I was talking about betting the under. I didn't think they would go above 500. I think their projected win total was around 42, something of the sort, but Man, I, I think I might be wrong. I think the Blazers are going to be back, maybe not in the top six, but definitely in the top half of their conference in that top eight. And they might even push for a top six spot. They're 4-0 right now, the only 4-0 team in the entire NBA. And a big reason for that is Dame Lillard is healthy. He was obviously banged up towards the end of last year, or around the midpoint of the year, let's be honest. And then he missed a significant chunk of time. Anthony Simons had a bit of a breakout party. And they've continued that momentum that Ant Simons had last season. And Dame hasn't missed a beat. He's averaging about 33 points right now. Jeremy Grant is a good complimentary piece on the wing. They've got solid players around as well. Shadon Sharp, the guy that they got in the most recent draft. He's a high energy excitement player. Josh Hart, I've always loved watching him go about his business. I'm not a huge Yusuf Nurkic fan, but he's good as a big man as well. They've got pieces. they got dudes. I kind of like Portland and at 4-0. I could be wrong. Maybe I was just hating on the Blazers and I kind of bought into a little bit of the popular narrative around Dame struggling, but shout out to them for their hot start. The Sixers, they haven't had a great start. Their only victory right now came today against the Indiana Pacers. So they're sitting at one and three, but I'm not ready to hit the alarm bells just yet. It is a bit concerning though, that the body language amongst that group isn't great. James Harden is dominating possessions. Looks like a lot of Houston, uh, James Harden, which is good statistically and great, but I don't think it's going to work with a superstar like Joel Embiid alongside him. Tyrese Maxey hasn't had the bump in production that I thought, but I still think the Sixers are really deep. I think they've been in the best position they've been in, in call it half a decade to challenge for a title. So I've got faith. I'm holding out faith that the Sixers can write the ship. If they don't know, then Doc Rivers might be the one that loses his job. And I wouldn't be surprised if they 
pulled the trigger on a move like that if they kept struggling before the new year arrives. Uh, next team is kind of a double whammy. I want to talk about the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs, who are both three and one. Who the fuck saw that coming? I think the Victor Webanyama sweepstakes were all we were talking about a week out of the season after his recent highlights, but these tanking teams are actually doing pretty solid. The Utah Jazz, they're full of good players. you got the likes of Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Kelly Olenek, he's no scrub, had a game winner against the Pels the other day. Colin Sexton, he's a highly, highly driven competitor, and he's at the moment a bit of a spark plug off the bench, but... You know, he might be able to get a bit more minutes if they trade one of those other dudes. Uh, who else have they got on their roster? Laurie Markinen, he's good. He's, I think, leading them in points per game, and he's probably going to keep doing that. Jared Vanderbilt, I like. they got Malik Beasley. they got a good pros. So I'm not too shocked to see Utah doing well. I thought that they might try and swing a couple of other moves before the season started so that they do suck, but I still expect them to struggle. I can't see them winning 30 games probably closer to the mid twenties is where I expect them to finish. And you could say the same with the Spurs. I do like some of the young players that they've got. Jakob Pertl has been really good for them in the early going. Devin Vassell as well. He's had a nice start to his third year, something of the sort, but the Spurs are really young. I know that they've started three and one, they've upset a couple of teams along the way, but I do think that this is just an encapsulation of the fact that any team can beat any team on any given night in the NBA right now. There's a supreme amount of talent. The expansion talks are pretty up and about. I think that we will have a team in Vegas and potentially a team in Seattle before too long. That's not exactly a hot take, but clearly there's a lot of talent in this NBA league. And as a result, we're seeing teams get beaten by shittier teams or lesser teams on any given night. I guess the last thing on the Spurs, I probably should have accounted for the fact that Greg Popovich is still the coach. That dude is arguably the greatest coach in basketball history, not just the NBA. So I think he's going to get him a couple more wins than I expect. If I had to pick a team who loses more though, I think I'm still siding with the Spurs purely on their youth. But if Utah does continue to blow it up and make a few more trades, that might change things. Uh, speaking of trades, your 0-3 Los Angeles Lakers have got to get rid of Russell Westbrook. I don't care where the fuck he goes. I don't care what the fuck really they get back in return, but he is killing them right now. Uh, there's just, it's trying to just fit a square peg in a round hole. And I know there's been a lot of analogies used around Westbrook's fit with the current Lakers, their defense is actually the second best defense by defensive efficiency through the first week of the season, but their offense is 30th and they're shooting just 21% from behind the three point line. So they need to clear out Russ, who's a ball dominant type of player and just get a couple more shooters around AD and LeBron, which, you know, isn't exactly rocket science. There's two draft picks that have been potentially floated around as picks that could be used in a trade. Don't know if I'd want to use both of them. Depends on what they get back. The Charlotte Hornets maybe could give up Rogier and Hayward. Maybe they go back to the well with the Pacers. Maybe they hit up Utah and talk deals. But I do not think that Russell Westbrook will be long in LA for this season. A couple of other teams I want to talk about just very quickly. The Memphis Grizzlies and the Boston Celtics, two teams that took a bit of a leap last year. Obviously, the Celtics made the NBA Finals and we saw the Grizz win a shitload of games in the regular season. They both got off to pretty good starts. And I think thanks to the spearhead of both of those teams, they'll be right up there challenging for a number one seed in their conference. Uh, you could say that Jason Tatum is, oh, I don't want to call it now, but the favorite right now for the MVP. He's putting up a 
fuckload of stats. He's getting wins for the Celtics. He's steering that Boston team who faced a bit of uncertainty when we found out that Ima Udoka was going to be suspended. But I like what they've got. I do love Boston, and I do like what Memphis has got. Again, two teams that are really deep, and Ja Morant has been on fire to start this season. Had 38 today against the Brooklyn Nets. So did Desmond Bain, for what it's worth. So nice yin and yang punch there, and they've got depth on both rosters. So I expect to see these two teams win a lot more games as the season progresses. Last one is the Sacramento Kings, who are 0-3 but they've lost to the likes of the Blazers, the Clippers and the Warriors. And they got the Grizzlies next. So I'm going to reserve judgment. I don't want to pounce too much on Sacramento. I do think that they can still be a good team. Darren Fox is putting up a lot of positive stats, uh, but he hasn't really been associated with winning in the past. So we'll have to wait and see, but there's a couple of takeaways after the first week of action in basketball. Next up, AFL players who could use a lifeline or a second chance. So last week we saw AFL clubs kind of finalize a little bit of their list structure and they signed dudes to potentially one-year deals and they let a few pieces go. So I just want to ring around uh, a couple of names, throw them out and just talk a little bit about their potential landing spot. Starting with Quinton Narkel, who got ditched by Geelong. No huge shock there. He struggled to squeeze into that side recently but he could be linked to a return back to WA. He's from WA originally, and we might see him enter, I want to say the rookie draft, but maybe he might be a preseason train-on player. West Coast was flirting with the idea of uh, calling Geelong about Narkel during the trade period, but I think that Quinton Narkel's best position to go back to the waffle for a year, apply his craft at state level, and maybe get a second bite at the cherry. Who knows? Eagles or maybe even the Dockers might give him another chance before that happens, though. Uh, Jed Anderson from the Roos. Somewhat surprising to see North get rid of him, but, you know, he's only 28, hasn't had a great consistent run for his career, especially at North Melbourne the last few years. But Gold Coast are looking long and hard at him. Liam Stocker, he was linked to Essendon earlier in the trade period and during the offseason, so I expect them to throw him a bone. He could be anything for the Bombers. He was drafted as a midfielder, but then kept playing quite a bit in the back line. So maybe they'll utilize him in different areas and be able to help him succeed. But watch this space. Another one that kind of surprised me to see he was delisted was James Rowe from Adelaide. Now I know that they just got Isaac Rankin. So he'll probably slot into that spot in the forward line. Uh, Josh Rochelle is another young star that they've got in their front six, but Jimmy Rowe could be a just quietly a pretty solid contribution, a contribute contributor. Let me try that again for another team who needs a small crafty forward, maybe the giants, St. Kilda. I don't know. I'm thinking of the teams that struggled offensively last year, North Melbourne. Maybe they just make a call and try and pounce on Jimmy Rowe. Wouldn't hate to see that. Caleb Poulter, don't know if he's going to get to South Australia. The Crows were a team that was talking with him earlier. So maybe that'll happen. And the last one is Daniel Howe, who is just shy of 100 AFL career games. Uh, clearly Hawthorne are going in a different direction and are trying to start from the ground and build back up. So maybe another team will throw him a lifeline, but he seems like someone will have to go back to state level first, try and build up his resume and then get another crack at it, maybe in the 2023 offseason. Rightio, a bit of NFL stuff to close. Uh, what a week for Carolina. They trade away Christian McCaffrey. They fired their coach the week before that. They trade away Robbie Anderson on Monday. And then they go out and beat the Bucks. Who the hell saw that coming? I know that Tampa Bay haven't been world beaters to start this season, but my goodness, that is embarrassing. 
embarrassing. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in serious trouble. They don't have the firepower offensively that they've had in the past. Their O-line looks awful. Their defense isn't getting as many stops and looking scary and intimidating anymore. So I'm very concerned about the Tampa Bay Bucks. Right now, they're below 500. They're probably still going to be a playoff team. I do trust in that brass to at least get there, but they're out of the contenders mix, if you ask me. And they've got Baltimore coming to town on Thursday night. I can't see the Bucks winning that game. I think I still pick Baltimore. Another NFC team that's struggling, a powerhouse for the last decade or so, are the Green Bay Packers, who had another ugly loss to the Washington Commanders. Third loss in a row. First time since 2018, they've lost three in a row. And they only had 38 rushing yards, which the backfield with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon is not good enough. So very similarly, there's been a lot of talk around the offense and Aaron Rodgers' play. And after they traded away Devontae Adams, some people thought that they could soften the blow and they'd survive, but they haven't been able to. So ugly, ugly scenes for Green Bay. And they're traveling to Buffalo uh, in week eight. So I do not expect them to get a win there. And their spluttering offense will probably get put to the sword against the Buffalo Bills, which is a shame. I would have loved to see A-Rod challenge for another title before he retires, but I don't think it's going to come with his current Green Bay side. That's all she wrote. Like I said, another quick lap around the association. Uh, Working on a couple of other articles and pieces. I've got to compare the pair coming for uh, Sports by Fry fans, looking at two of the NBA's great, uh, what can I say without giving things away? Two great big men. We'll go down that route. So make sure you check that out later in the week. I've got another fact or fiction article coming probably early next week about the NBA and the things I believe and don't believe after the first, call it 10 days, two weeks of the season. Uh, So you can check those things out. Like I said, we'll be J-Lo-less on the podcast for a while, but I promise we will keep the show rolling. So thanks for tuning into this episode. Until next time, peace. Peace.